0: welcome ttb community i am bob Demena, and here with me as always is the very spirited elliot shibley ah oh, thank you bob as always before we get into the show
1: we'd like to mention our partners and affiliates check out minivan of memories it is a blogging platform for travelers who want to share their stories but don't have a platform of their own little passports is a monthly subscription for curious kids who love the world Each month, a new package is sent to your house containing new activities, souvenirs, or projects from different locations around the globe, all to your doorstep. Travel by Locals is a relatively new one. It's like Airbnb, but for travel guides. They provide a website so you can reach out to real locals who spend their free time hosting local tours for you around their city. And lastly, we always have a 30 day free Audible trial. If you want to read a book, but don't have the time, you can listen to it. And there's no commitment after 30 days is over. You can choose to continue or to stop it, but you get to keep the book either way. It's kind of nice. All right. That's enough for me. Bob, what do we have
0: going on today? So today's guest was introduced to us through a former guest, uh, Peter Hayes, who we had on the show a few weeks ago. Uh, she is a uh, a citizen of Hawaii and really likes to travel to Europe, specifically the Swiss Alps, and even more specifically the Dolomites of northern Italy. So today we talked about travel lo- logistics, um, the food, the hikes, the views—basically all you can you can see and do within the Dolomites. Um, so without further introduction, please give a very warm welcome to our next guest, Christine. Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint.
1: Start designing your next adventure.
0: Hi, Christine. Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint podcast.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. So we met you, or we well we were introduced to you through Peter Hayes, a former guest on the podcast. And um, I think you guys have Slovenia in common, right? You've traveled yes. there a lot. He he lives there. Um, and so he brought to our attention your travel experiences around the world, but primarily in the Swiss Alps and to the Italian Dolomites, which you've been to a few times, right? So that's sort of what we're here to talk about today is your experience experiences in that region of the world. We're really excited to hear about it. <laughs> yeah, so one of the things that I think is going to be unique about this podcast in regards to Italy is that anytime anyone ever thinks of Italy, they immediately go to Rome the Mediterranean, um, and I don't think a lot of people think about the Swiss Alps hiking in the cold, skiing, snowboarding. You can do all of this in Italy too, but it, it's kind of overlooked. And so, this is going to be very cool uh, to get some knowledge first hand knowledge on this region of this very, very, very popular country. So, so I guess, I guess, my first question will be uh, how did you get into travel?
2: Um. Well, that's a really long story. <laughs> but the short story is, um, it started, The really, my interest started when I was in residency um, as an ER physician. Um, the ER has, you know, sort of a lot of adrenaline going on. Um, needed a break from that, so started traveling.
0: It seems, that's,
2: that's a good enough reason.
0: Yeah, a
1: lot of people <laughs> that we talk to, travel is a tends to be a really good getaway, an escape, and a way to kind of rejuvenate.
2: Yes. Otherwise, I would have quit my job already. <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: We, we we actually, the podcast that's coming out tomorrow, they kind of sold everything and started just RVing across the country. And their main, their main stipulation for doing that was that they had compassion fatigue and they were just like, we love doing what we do, but it's so overwhelming and it's so tiring and they want to keep doing it, but they don't feel like they would be able to. They feel like they're approaching burnout.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And travel is an excellent way to not burn out.
2: Yes.
0: Yeah. I agree. It, so so what made the, the Swiss Alps, the Italian Dolomites, uh, so intriguing to you? Why did you pick them?
2: Uh, so I've been to, I backpacked Europe when I was done with med school. So I've seen a lot of the cities and such. Um, really, really, my um, knowledge of Italy was, you know, those big cities that you mentioned, like Rome, Florence. So I actually thought it was like a flat country, (laughs) but actually it's very mountainous, especially the north part of Italy. Um, I just, I wanted to do, I had done some hiking in the States and like the national parks of the States and decided I wanted to go abroad to do a big hike abroad. Um, And then I think I found it on Nat Geo. They had featured the Dolomites somewhere. Um, I looked at that. I was like, I'm going to go there. So I went there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, And I would agree. It took, I think, until... Oh, I forget which Winter Olympics it was where they were in Torino.
2: Oh, yes. Or
1: Turin. and New
2: Torino, Turin. <laughs>
1: and they had all of the winter sports. And I was like, where is this? And then I was like, oh, I didn't realize that the, Italy had some of the Alps. Mm-hmm. And I always, I had always pictured Italy as just, you know, open air museums with fantastic architecture and Tuscany with all of its agriculture and agritourism and the Amalfi Coast, but never really pictured it as a mountainous area.
2: No, I no. did not realize either. Um, yeah, I was staying on um, Tripadvisor about where I would want to go. I was like, "Do you guys have mountains?" And one of the one of the users there, who's now one of my really good friends as well, and I met him in person too, said that no, Italy is very mountainous. There's a lot of mountains to hike in. There's a lot of outdoorsy things to do. It's not just you know culture. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. And foods well,
2: and food yeah, always. Yeah. Food. Well,
0: that's that's something I really want to get into um, the food. But before we do, so for the hiking, do you have specific hikes that you like when you're in in the Dalamites? Are there any Um, go-tos?
2: Any go-tos. So I think if you have never been there before or if you don't want to do a multi-day hike, a good thing to do is base yourself in one of the main towns. The one that I base myself in is a really beautiful alpine town called Cortina de Ampezo. Um, And you can do day hikes from there. Some of the popular ones are to places like Trichime Tofane, Lagazoi. But if you are interested in a multi-day hike, then there are eight altavias running through the Dolomites. And these can be, you know, eight to ten days. It can be as long as you want. I mean, they you go through a lot of towns, so you can just get out of there if you don't want to keep hiking.
1: Okay. But, yeah. Well, and I'm I'm asking for a friend. What are altavias?
2: They're high routes. So alta high via way so high ah, you know okay. just elevated it's a walking paths tr- all right yes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and how do you how do you plan for something like that like it's one thing to plan a multi-day hike say along the appalachian trail or the pacific crest trail in your home sure. country but when you're abroad it's you kind of pack different things you think about things differently you're not necessarily surrounded by people that all speak the same language if you get lost mm-hmm. so what kind of yeah, equipment and preparation you take for those multi-day hikes?
2: So the great thing about hiking in Europe is you don't like really have to bring a tent or food or water, really. Um there's little refugios along the way. They're like mountain huts. And you can stay in them as you hike through the Altavia. And these mountain huts, you know, for thirty-five to fifty euros a night will give you a bed to sleep in. Sometimes there's a shower. They'll cook you a hot meal when you get in from your hike so it's lovely so you don't really have to carry anything you could if you're really a light packer you could you know just go with a day pack and do that yeah well, that's
1: really nice
2: yes yeah. not carrying a tent or food is amazing yeah
0: <laughs> how are the meals
2: very good um so i've hiked i've stayed in mountain huts in you know, france in switzerland in italy Um, by far the best meals are in Italy. (laughs) The best food is in Italy. Even even more than France? (laughs) Yes, even more than France. (gasps) Actually, France, (laughs) and this is on authority of an actual French person that lives there, has the worst refugios. (laughs) Really? Yes. Mm. Hmm. Someone told me not to do the... There is a great um, trail called the GR20 that runs through Corsica. It's one of the big walks, um, you know, that goes through the, the French... Island of Corsica. And he's like, don't ever do that one. <laughs> the huts are terrible. <laughs> There's bed bugs. <laughs> oh. So, but well, the so, Tali ones I've stayed at are beautiful, good food.
0: Nice. So what what is the food like? Is it similar to food in Southern Italy? A lot of uh, pastas and uh, seafood, or is it different? I'm, I'm assuming maybe fresh, agri-like beef. and Yes, goat
2: it, livestock? Is, <laughs> it is different. I think the Northern <laughs> cuisine is a little bit different. So it's... Um, yeah, there's like meat too, but they're really big on dairy sort of stuff. I thought okay. like cheeses and like Ooh. the milk, you know, stuff they get from cows that graze the area. Yeah, because you know? they're huh. these are foothills are usually really far from cities. You know, it's hard to get stuff up there, so like a lot of them have their own cows and stuff.
0: Okay. Yeah. I, I think they're how fresh the food is, fresh the vegetables and tomatoes are, <laughs> free range grass fed beef.
2: Yes. <laughs> so uh, that's perfect. amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: there I think there was a chef's table episode a few years ago about a little restaurant in the Alps in Italy and I think the restaurant owner, there was an earthquake and it destroyed, I don't know, maybe 10 years worth of Parmesan or aged. (gasps) It was aging in the process of it. And the restaurateur decided, all right, how are we going to use all of this Parmesan? And like you said, the Alps, because you can't really farm it. And Mm -hmm. so instead they do a lot of livestock and mm-hmm. dairy cows so they had all this cheese and they didn't know what to do with it otherwise it was going to be ruined and go terrible so they talked to all of the restaurants in like i don't know 100 kilometer radius and they all adjusted their menus to incorporate this parmesan into basically every <laughs> single dish it was really that's cool amazing. that yeah. is yeah. cool
2: that's cool something italians would do <laughs>
1: yeah it's <laughs> so come together so Italian. The food yeah <laughs>
0: I, I am in an argument with somebody. It's just an ongoing, friendly argument that Italians not only have the best food, but have influenced global culture over any other uh, people in, in world history. And I always bring up the food has influenced food around the world, the art, the architecture, mm-hmm. Roman architecture. There's mm-hmm. like there's multiple things. It's more it's a it's a friendly back and forth. But well, I, think I will you say might be right though,
2: yeah. um, Italy has the most number of like UNESCO World Heritage sites. Even their like one of their pizzerias or the pizza making culture in Naples is like recognized by UNESCO, you know. So you might oh, be right. Wow. You could win that argument. Wow. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> and even when, when like you know certain forms of government, the Roman revolutionized. Mm-hmm. Like, the, well, I guess it was the Greeks with democracy. So yeah.
1: one of the things that I had always thought was truly Italian in the historical terms was pasta. But I, I think I think this is true that marco polo actually brought that back from china so pasta oh, like was that. actually invented in china not maybe it was invented or discovered or you know <laughs> used primarily in china and then when marco polo brought it back to italy the italians adopted it and that was their staple food
0: that's interesting yeah. I, but i wonder if it was maybe rice pasta and then he they don't have rice fields in italy maybe they're like what well, what else can we use um, yeah i'd be
1: curious to hear that history
0: <laughs> yeah that would be yeah. interesting we'll, we'll google that later um, all right. Well, back back to the Italian Dolomites. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I know you you mentioned one town that you typically go to. Can you mention that again? I, I Cort- Cortina. Cortina.
2: Cortina. Yeah. I'm going to plug yes. that into
0: the map and see exactly yeah. where that is. And um, so when you're going to Cortina, what airport would you fly into?
2: Uh, I think I flew into Venice. Yeah, I flew okay. into Venice. In Does Venice Median have
0: zone.
1: large, well, like international flights straight from yeah. the East Coast?
2: Yes, I think I flew in directly from New York City. Okay. JFK. Yep. Right, there's not nice. many
0: cities that do that, um, but I know New York City is one of them. I think Newark might be one of them too.
2: Yeah, Newark's one of them as well. I think okay. I've been that before. It is, yeah. yeah. So there's not yeah. many,
0: but um, yeah, I do know you can get a direct flight, flight to Venice. On Scott's Cheap Flights, one time I think they were down to like 300 and something.
2: Ooh, that's a good deal from yeah from... it's usually a bit more expensive in the summer though. yeah <laughs> yeah
1: yeah yeah well while bob's finding that on the map i do want to ask those ref- refugios do you have to pay a nightly fee to stay there and lodge there
2: yes so you what i did you can call them or you could email them i emailed them because you know i live in the states um and then you just say can i have a bed on this night like half pension so i have dinner and breakfast in the morning Um, and then you pay them when you get there so it's usually between 35 and like 50 euros which is okay i don't know 40 to 60 dollars us yeah um i think it's really reasonable though and it's great to not carry your stuff
1: yeah so that's for two meals and a bed
2: yes and sometimes sometimes a shower shower. right Uh yeah
0: sounds worth it to me yeah it's definitely worth (laughs) it. it looks like cortina is about two hours north of venice which is not bad at all do you rent a car when you go
2: up no, there? I no. Um, since I, you know, okay. usually start in one place and hike to another place, I, you know, am, you know, there's no. You can drive around it, but I'm just hiking, so I don't rent a car. I usually take the bus. Oh, from Okay. Yep, you just take the bus from Venice to Cortina. So direct bus takes two and a half hours, I think.
1: That's really nice. Yeah, That's it's convenient really cheap
2: too. Yeah, I think it's yeah. like twenty dollars just to do it. I don't know. So it's, cheap. So- it's better than renting a car.
0: Yeah. All right. So a direct flight from New York JFK, right? I'm, I'm assuming that's the big one to mm-hmm. Venice. Mm-hmm. A bus, two and a half hour bus from Venice to Cortina, and then mm-hmm. you're in the Italian Dolomites. yeah, that's pretty easy. Um, Very for easy. relatively cheap. Yeah. If tickets are going from 300, is probably the cheapest you'll ever find it, and then 600 is probably on the expensive end.
2: Right? I think. I think I probably paid, I mean, I went in the height of summer, you know, yeah. so I think mm-hmm. I probably paid a little bit more than that, maybe 700 or 800 okay. but it shouldn't be more than that.
0: Yeah. Logistically, it's not too hard to get to. And then once you're in Cortina, you then have free range to a, a bunch of the, I guess, some of the mountains that you like to, to hike in?
2: Yes. So they're in the summer. So I've never been there in the winter, caveat. But in the summer, there's um, really good public transportation there. So you can just take buses to the trailheads. And when you're done, you can just take the bus back, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But Cortina is in the center of, is in the center. It's very close to a lot of the major um, peaks in the Dolomites. So the really big one, I think, that a lot of people know about is Trocime, Um Three big peaks. Beautiful. One of the best hikes there. Um, but you can just take the bus there. Um, there's places like Tofana. That's another group that hangs over the town. Um, you can literally just walk to the gondola station. So it's very easy to get around there. Very easy. You don't need a car. The parking okay. is ridiculous there anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah.
0: So I was going to okay. ask if you're going in the summer. Um, I know Italy already has is over, already overrun with tourism every summer. How is that region?
2: It's not bad at all. I didn't feel overwhelmed at all. I um,
0: nice. That's- I felt
2: overwhelmed when I got back from that trip and I got back to Venice to fly out.
1: Oh yeah, um,
2: but the Dolomites. I, I think there's people people that go there like really love the mountains. Um, and it's not it's not nowhere near as touristy. It is, but nowhere near as touristy. Okay, right.
1: And I think a lot of people rock climb in the Dolomites as well.
2: Yes, it's a big rock climbing place. I don't okay. know how to, but it's very big there.
1: Yeah. Are you into winter sports at all?
2: No, I'm from Hawaii. I don't know how to do winter sports.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Because
2: I, I, <laughs> I think this all. area
1: is really popular. I mean, when you look at the map, there's like ski routes and snowboarding routes all over the map.
2: Yes, yes.
1: And I think if you're interested in doing any kind of winter sport, that is a great place to be.
2: Yes, it's world renowned for winter sports. They actually won the Winter Olympics, um, the upcoming one.
1: Oh, did What's they really?
2: 2026. Okay. Yeah, they're yeah. they're hosting. So they're sharing it between... Like Milan. Cortina will be one of the sites though. Okay. That's yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
1: let's go. We got we got seven years to plan. (laughs) Uh so where is Turn in relation to Cortina?
2: It's further south and to the west, I think. It's quite far away. Okay. Not far, but like in Italy far
1: away. In Italy far, yeah.
2: Yeah. It's closer to the
0: French
1: border. uh,
2: yeah, yeah, like closer to where the major part of the Swiss house is, I think.
0: And and so for these hikes, once you're there in a town like Cortina, can you opt to travel or to hike alone completely by yourself? Are these hikes safe for solo travelers? And Oh, yeah. Is there also... I think so. Yeah? Okay.
2: Yeah, I think they're really safe. I mean, they're really well marked, um, especially the day hikes. And you'll always see someone on the day hike, really. Um, I did the Altavia 2 when I was there, which is a little bit less traveled than the Altavia 1, um, which is a little bit more popular. Uh, I think I saw someone every day except for a chunk in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> how but
0: long
1: How long are these hikes in terms of kilometers distance-wise?
2: The day hikes? Yeah. Um, really depends, but like 10 kilometers, I think, on average. Okay. The thing about the Dolomites is, um, like, you if you've seen pictures of it, the... The passes are really, really steep. So you have like really high, really a lot of vertical gain um, and a lot of vertical descent. So even if it's 10 kilometers, it can take a really long time. Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I am looking at the Altavia too, and I just cannot get over It
2: is beautiful. It is gosh. one of the I best, look at it. best long distance <laughs> hikes ever. And I've hiked in a lot of places, but one of the best ones ever.
1: All right. So, what
0: is that rock? I what rock? How can you talk up the type of rock? Just the type of rock that that the dolomites are made of. Dolomite. Oh, is that is so? That, that the area rock used to <laughs> yeah. be
2: that area used to be under the like sea. So there's like coral okay. and stuff in there. Yeah. So it's a little bit. It's like crumblier rock, but oh, really so cool it's shapes.
0: Sedi- it's a sedimentary stone. So, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. so it's
1: dol- dolomite, similar to limestone that we have in like Ish, the yes. East Coast. Yeah. Yes, it's Yes. Right, yes. yes yeah it's carbon based
2: it's awesome really good for climbing i think i see a lot of climbers there
1: that's so cool and i think in the winter it's also really popular for ice climbers i think there's a lot of yes waterfalls on the north not waterfalls but ice falls and ice faces on the northern uh facing slopes
0: yeah when i was reading up for this podcast um you essentially can go at any point you want in the year and there's always going to be something to do the Mm -hmm. the setting the uh, pictures I was looking at of the Dolomites in the wintertime are just as beautiful, maybe even more beautiful than the summer. Um, oh yes, I'm more, I'm, I'm more of a summer guy, but seeing the snow-capped mountains and and just the blanket of white snow over everything is, is really
2: oh yes, beautiful. I think mountains are more beautiful with snow. I would love to go in the winter, but I don't know how to do any winter but <laughs> so, well, I think it would be a yeah. great
1: place to learn and a beautiful yeah. place to learn.
2: I've got old now. I feel like uh, no, you're I, not. I, I have an ER doc too. I think about all the injuries I could sustain. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: you could sustain those injuries and then help yourself. There you no, go. Just, work, totally in ER in, in, just no. work in the ER in the Dalamites long enough and you'll learn how to uh, handle every sort of the oh, winter sporting accident. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: so I did. I did have an accident in the Dolomites. I had like two. Um, the first one was I was doing a via ferrata. So those are iron ways. You clip yourself. They basically like you be a mountaineer without knowing what you're doing, really. So you just clip that's, yourself. in. That's really nice of them. Yeah, it's really awesome. But um, I didn't clip myself in, and I fell like pretty far. What? Um, yes, I fell probably like I don't know. 20 feet.
1: Like just straight drop or were you like kind of sliding?
2: No, I fell like straight drop.
1: Oh my God.
2: Holy crap. So the story was <laughs> that you I was- Did go to the caught. ER? <laughs> no, I didn't. That was the day where I didn't see anyone.
1: <laughs> no. Just
2: my luck. But um, I had put my bag down and then my bag fell down off that cliff. Um, it probably fell like 200 feet though, my bag. And it had my passport and my, you know, all my gear. So I had to like go down to get it. And then I fell down too. But there was a ledge. So I only fell down 20. Oh saved! And then I only like hurt my ankle. So I was really lucky, which is wow. great because I had to hike, I don't know, another like 15 kilometers that day. <laughs> that wow. was a bad day. The other days and were great though. Good story mm-hmm. though. Have you, you yeah. <laughs> have, have
0: you primarily hiked the by yourself?
2: Yes, I have. Only hiked it myself. Wow. That's really it's, cool. I it's mean, re- it's really pretty safe. Like, if you just don't do dumb things like I did. So you just clip yourself in. Um, yeah.
1: Well, I was going to ask about that because um, in the photos that Altavia 2 pops up on Google, there's a lot of those clips shown. And I wasn't sure if you had to bring your own equipment or if those wires were there. Kind of like Half Dome in Yosemite. Yeah, got the, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so those wires are there. They're from the, they're from World War I. I mean, the soldiers, um, you know, like the Italian army and the Hunga, uh, Austro-Hungarian army, um, bought each other in the Dolomites. It was like one of the front lines. Um, so they, they had those lines to like navigate the mountains. Um, and there's a lot of really cool places where there's like open air museums for this. You can see, you know, the tunnels they built, like the little windows that they shot out of, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but they're there. They've been refortified, you know, for tourists. Um, you can rent your own gear, you know, the via ferrata gear. So the harness and the carabiners and the helmet. Or you can just bring your own. Pretty easy to do. That's so cool. <laughs> and I,
1: I mean, I can't believe that those those pins are still there 100 years later. And people are yeah. still using them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They
1: did not want those to fail.
0: Yeah, no. So how is the overall culture in, in the surrounding... You know, the Dolomites, are they pretty accepting of tourists?
2: I think so. Um, I think everyone there loves the mountains um, and they love like alpinism. They love the scenery. They love the mountains. So, I mean, everyone's sort of like-minded. Everyone says hello to me on the trail. Oh, really? Yes. They're like, do you speak Italian? No, I don't. Not at all. (laughs) Um, I can say buongiorno, uh, which, you know, is hello. And everyone says that as you walk by. Um, but northern Italy, like that area specifically, there's, um, you know, it used to be the Austro-Hungarian side. So a lot of people speak German there. Oh. Yeah. So
0: Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's something new. I wasn't expecting to learn that. That's pretty cool.
2: Yeah. I mean, Cortina, there's a good mix, but there's another town, which is a start of the Altavia too, actually, called Bressanone or Brixen is a German name. Like 99% of the people there speak German. So, huh. Even though it's in Italy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's fun. (laughs) So you mentioned that you had two uh, mishaps. What was the other one?
2: The other one was not checking the weather. So always check the weather. It's very important. Uh, But it can change really quickly. Um, It was, and I had a late start, which is another bad thing. But I didn't check the weather and I got caught in a huge thunderstorm. Huge. (laughs) (laughs) Huge. But um I was I was on one of those um via ferratas, which, you know, would conduct electricity very well. Yeah. <laughs> so I it started to rain and then it started to like there started to be thunder and lightning. So I unhooked myself. And thankfully, like the only there's this little ledge on this whole like a little cave, you know, inside the cliff on this whole way that I was going up. So I hid there. For three hours while I waited out the storm, and it was a huge storm. I saw like waterfalls appear around me. Um, there's like thunder and lightning, and oh I'm an God. atheist, but I started praying. <laughs> 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 but it was, it was so crazy. And then it, and then it just passed. Um, and then I found out later that that storm was really bad that day. Like four, three or four other people died in the outset day. Even Whoa. one on the marmalade, which was, like, pretty close to where I was, actually. So, yeah, the mountains are no joke. Should always check the weather. Wow. Um, so, I was very late to getting to the mountain hut, the refugio. Um, I probably spent, like, the last half hour. The sun set, you know, at 9, but I probably spent the last half hour wandering in the dark.
1: Oh, man. And then Just I
2: Any shocked myself. Oh, um, I had a headlamp with okay. a dying battery. Oh, man. <laughs> But, um, so like I said, that refugio had, you know, they have cows, you know, they're in the middle of nowhere. So they have the little enclosure for cows with the the electric tape everywhere. I couldn't see. So I walked right into that and shocked myself. (laughs) Yeah, that was a bad day too. I had two bad days with the telemites, but everything else was wonderful. (laughs) But you you
0: survived and you're here to tell the story. I did. I survived. (laughs) How bad was the, the shock? Was it enough to knock you over?
2: Uh, I fell backwards. Yeah. (laughs) But I think it was more of a surprise. It probably, it didn't hurt that bad, Um, but it was, it was definitely intended to keep the cows in, (laughs) (laughs) but I showed up, I got to my bed and, you know, the rest of the trip was just fine.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I would imagine, you know, sitting in a cave, watching waterfalls appear around you and having known that three or four other people had died in that same storm. It's got to be very humbling to know that nature, you know, can just take life away just like that.
2: Yes. I think, um, but I think that's the draw too. I mean, why does mountaineering, you know, exist? Like, why do people want to, you know, climb peaks all the time? I mean, it's just, you can never. Because they're there. Because they're there. (laughs) (laughs) You're never going to, I mean, I don't know. I really love mountains. I like respect them. Yeah. Um. I'm afraid of them as well, but, yeah. you know, it's amazing <laughs> to be up here. <laughs> it sounds like
0: a healthy relationship. <laughs> yes, it, it does.
2: It, it tries to be. <laughs> and
0: so I'm assuming you don't have any cell service or anything like that up there. Do you Do you carry a trail map?
2: Um, I carry a trail map on my phone. So I have I download the okay. maps to my phone and I use those. There is are there very a, good trail maps, though, for the Dolomites.
0: Is there a specific app or website that you would recommend?
2: Um, I think in the... So when I fell off that cliff, when my bag fell off that cliff, my, my last, my phone broke. (laughs) Oh, no. So I had no more maps after that. Um, But before I was using one of the paper maps, I think, I can't remember the name of the map. It's a really famous, popular company that, you know, makes maps. But the other app I was using was Maps Me, which is a free app. Um, And it's, uh, they actually have a lot of trails on it too, in the Dolomite. So pretty easy to follow. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So would you recommend someone always have a paper map with them in case they drop their Probably. bag
2: off it, a 200 yeah. foot cliff? Yeah, yeah. Well, yes, yeah, you should have a paper map. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a safer thing to do. <laughs> All
0: right. And anyone who hikes knows that the temperature on the summit is always a lot cooler than the temperature at the base of the mountain. So when you're traveling to the Dolomites, even in the summer, what do you typically pack with you?
2: So um, you should bring mountain gear. You should bring layers, you know, like a base lighter, a layer, a layer, merino wool layer. Um, I had my down jacket with me. Always bring rain gear. You always <laughs> need it. Um, yeah. But, you know, if you're going, it's it's cold at the top.
1: Cold. Okay. And yeah. isn't the, at the top, isn't there a lot more sun exposure?
2: Yeah. Okay. You should always bring sunscreen too. Yes. Okay. That's right. Sunscreen.
1: Um. And do you bring food? I know you have, you plan the trips to kind of stop the refugios, but in an event where that storm lasted six hours and you were not able to get to a refugio in the evening, how much food and water do you pack?
2: Oh man, I was not prepared that day. So thank God I got there. But usually I'll bring, um, you, there's places to refill your water along the way as well. There's, you know, can you you use Creek water? Uh, I've not done that. Um, but i've not done that i guess you could i wouldn't recommend though okay (laughs) because there's you know there's livestock here you know there's like cows rowing and stuff Mm -hmm. um but usually at there's places where uh, there's potable water i mean it just pumps from like there's a little faucet and you could just fill your water okay so um i would do that and then for food i just bring nuts and stuff like trail mix
0: Yeah. yeah yeah that's always solid yeah. I've I've brought an entire jar of peanut butter. Just threw the the jar of peanut butter in my backpack with a spoon and. Bobby, that's you didn't mean, you But that's the... good
2: though. <laughs> yeah.
0: You probably did that for like a two mile hike. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. <do>. <laughs> I, I have a jar of peanut butter sitting in my work desk at work where I don't even move for multiple hours. So yeah, it doesn't. Well, you know, I don't need peanut be...
2: butter is very expensive in Europe. Like very yeah. expensive. So, uh, we just talked
0: about this. Um, with robbed. With with another yeah, with another guest. So not only is it not very expensive, but it doesn't exist like it does in the United States, no, right? It's a no. different it's not as form prevalent. Of peanut butter. So no. now, you being an American, can you describe their peanut butter to us?
2: <laughs> it's um I don't know. It's it doesn't really taste like peanut butter. It's like more li- like liquidy and not peanut butter.
0: <laughs> yeah, is it is, is it, it just as- like hmm?
2: Is it, Isn't it just not natural? As processed? <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I, I it's really probably. Sure. You're right. You're right. It's probably more natural and not as processed. Okay. There's probably less like sugar in it. Um,
1: I've had like just raw, you know, ground up, masticated peanuts before, and that's not necessarily the most tasty. And it's no. really, it's kind of pasty, and it uh-huh. sticks to your mouth even more than regular, you know, American peanut butter.
2: Yeah. I think I think Nutella is probably bigger in Europe. Yeah. Someone mm-hmm. once told me, they were like, I, we don't understand peanut butter. Like, we don't understand why it's salty and sweet at the same time. Because
1: it's, so. it's delicious. It's I know. So good. I love
2: peanut butter. So I think if you're into it, you should bring peanut butter because it's very hard to find in Europe. And it's also going to be very expensive, like nine euros for a little jar whoa oh. so yeah expensive yeah well is there
0: anything else regarding you know logistical planning to the dolomites that you want to share with people that you know would obviously help them out with their own trip
2: yes so um i think if you it depends how much time you have in the dolomites you know if you have two weeks you could spend that whole time in cortina and have tons of day hikes and tons of things to do you know if you have um if you want to do a multi-day hike i recommend looking into one of the Altavias. There's a very good book um, written by Cicerone, I think that's the name of it. Um, but this person writes books on the multiple altavias you can do. And if, you know, you're interested in it, you can choose one to do. Um, Altavia 1 and 2 are the most popular. Um, the other ones are a little bit harder to book, I think. Um, a little bit, probably more difficult to the terrain, but um, probably less signed as well, less marked. But there's a lot of hiking you can do in the Dolomites. And you don't have to do the whole Altavia because you can just do part of it and then, you know, take a bus somewhere else or take a car somewhere else. Um, But that whole area is not very far from each other. Um, Like the mountains are not far. So if you wanted to just rent a car and just do day hikes in the area, that would be fine too. You don't have to. There's a lot for everyone, I think.
1: I think I would enjoy Cortina and Altavias.
2: You would love it. (laughs) It's amazing um yeah i was i was actually just in the dolomites again this this past june they had a very big winter though um so there's the hikes are still under a lot of snow but we had a car this time It was with one of my friends we had a car this time so we could drive around and i was so surprised by how close the peaks were because when i was hiking them they were really far apart (laughs) (laughs) but they're actually really close and it's you know really easy to get to them yeah
1: yeah that's fun. I noticed that. And so my wife and I have been hiking portions of the Appalachian Trail in Pennsylvania. Awesome. And we're, you know, we park one car at the beginning of the trail and one car at the end of the trail and then start, usually do like 15 to 20 mile segments, but we're driving and it's like 15 minutes to get to the next section or 20 minutes to the next section. And it takes five hours to right. hike it. And we're like, that was sad. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, it's okay. It took me there was a section that we drove, I drove with my friend that was 20 minutes. It took me like four days to hike it. Whoa. Yes. Because wow. it's up, it's up down a bunch of passes. Yeah. Whereas when you drive, you can just drive around them. <laughs> right. So even though yeah.
1: it might be, you know, 10 kilometers. On it could take map, all day. It could take all day.
2: With elevation change, it could be closer yeah. to 15. Yes. It can take all day. Yeah.
0: The, now I need to go to the Italian dolomites. You
2: absolutely well, my list do. Is growing. It's one of the best places ever. <laughs> my time is shrinking and my list site. is growing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do. Is. I know it is a, a heritage site. So, what is the
1: average elevation like at Cortina? What is Cortina's elevation, and then the Dolomite's elevation above it?
2: Oh, that's a good question. I don't know how high Cortina is, but like a lot of the hikes, you know, the elevation gain can be like a one point two to one point five kilometers. That's a okay. lot. I mean, yeah. I don't know what that is in feet, but it's a lot. So <laughs> yeah,
1: that's pretty hefty. It's like Cortina. a nine thousand foot.
0: The elevation of Cortina is it's twenty nine hundred meters, um, which is ninety six hundred feet. Is the elevation the top elevation of Cortina? Ah.
1: Okay, and then what are the Alta is nearby, like Tre Oh um,
2: yeah. Tricimi, like it, the Alta of four goes through there. Mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> Tresemme elevation is twenty nine hundred feet. I'm sorry, twenty nine hundred meters, ninety eight hundred feet. Oh, really?
2: Uh, Trichime
1: right? Oh no, see, I got it as thirty one hundred meters.
2: The for that's the, the, the Zvolkkofel.
0: <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I don't
1: know. That one of the peaks is like Crota de Toni, and it's got a weird German name with an umlau. <laughs> the
2: the peak of um, Trichime, which you don't climb, you don't hike up there. You climb up there, which people do. Um This one says it's like three thousand meters, just about so okay. almost ten thousand feet. But like you don't hike at that, you know, elevation. elevation. You hike at the base of it, yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Interesting. But the so,
2: it's not the peaks are not high. Like you won't get altitude sickness there, you know. Okay. But that was gonna will, be my next question. <laughs> yeah, you don't get altitude. No, it's not. It's it's very good hiking. It's you know like Patagonia. There's not. There's not huge elevation, but there's beautiful mountains. Okay. Yeah.
0: So, a little bit of history. Until 1919, these mountains were on the border of Italy and Austria. And, mm-hmm. But now um, that's changed, and it's still part of Italy, so the, the border was pushed back. And maybe that's why you still have a lot of German-speaking citizens. German. because that was actually still part of Austria um, ah. back uh, up until 1919.
2: Yep. So after the um, the war.
0: Yeah. So now the mountains lie on the border between the Italian provinces of South Tyrol and Belmuno. And they're still part of the linguistic boundary between German speaking and Italian speaking majorities. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, So do you, are you uh, being on posting any of your travels on social media or anything like that?
2: I have an Instagram that I post on.
0: Okay. Do you do you want to give it a shout out so people can follow you or is uh, it private?
2: <laughs> no, it's not <laughs> private. You can follow me if I'm really not that interesting. Um, <laughs> my username is Halaleo, H-A-L-A-L-E-O, but that's All right. me.
0: All right. Well, mm-hmm. thank you so much for taking the time out of your day, your travels to be on our podcast. It was really interesting and we learned a lot on the Italian Dolomites today.
2: Oh, I'm glad. Thanks for having me, you guys. That was really fun.
0: So I just learned a ton about Northern Italy and the Dolomites, And now I'm just trying to play out, um, you know, when I can actually get there to do some of those hikes.
1: Yeah, I think that's something that Amanda and I would be really interested in because we like just having a base camp and exploring a region and especially hiking. And if we don't have to bring a day pack, that's amazing. Sorry. Well, no, if no, we that's only, all you would bring. If we only have to bring a day pack, right. that'd be amazing. I don't want to haul around a big overnight. I don't want to haul around a tent. I don't want to haul around a sleeping bag, an air mattress, you know, make food, all of that stuff. I'd rather right. go to the refugios.
0: Well, yeah, the multi-day overnight hiking into somewhere that you've never been before... I mean, that's hard to do as the first time. So it seems like the best way to go about this, and now this is my personal recommendation, but it would be to do exactly what you said. Go to the one town, Cortina, um, do day hikes from there, use that as a base camp, and then as you get more familiar with the region, start doing multi-day hikes and actually sleeping overnight. Um, Yeah, that seems to be the way to go.
1: And as we've learned, make sure you look at the weather
0: yes 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 look at the weather so um as always thank you for listening to the podcast we will have a new one next week uh if you have a second of your time please rate us on itunes it goes so far and um we we kind of need those for for podcast growth so uh we appreciate your listening we appreciate your support and we will
2: talk to you next week